Hello, and welcome to this week's second episode of Sensei's Weekly Mindset. I'm Sensei James Leonelli, owner and head instructor of Tiger Shulman's here in Smithtown. Once again, I'm back in my home recording space, and uh, I am re-recording this week's episode. As I'm sure you guys have probably heard by this point, we had some audio issues in the previous recording, so uh, I'll give, start by giving you guys a little peek behind the scenes, and then I will go about re-recording some of the stuff that I talked about from yesterday's episode. So first things first, full disclosure, when I put the podcast together, when I, you know, when I edit it with the audio, the um, entrance music and the outro music, and I do all that, I listen to a few minutes of it just to make sure everything comes out okay. And I, I'm not that much of a nutball where I feel like I have to listen to every moment of it before I put it out, but I listen to a couple moments and I listen usually to the first couple of moments and the first couple of moments of our audio were fine. It was everything after that that wasn't so fine. So uh, one thing that I tend to do, especially when I'm doing the podcast, is since I'm talking and I'm thinking and I'm Italian and I'm thinking with my hands, is I tend to wander just a little bit. I tend to kind of pace back and forth. Just It helps me keep my energy up, and that's how I do most of my talking when I'm teaching in class anyway. So to that end, uh, I continue to do that very same thing as per normal. However, what I didn't notice is that my microphone got rolled up in my shirt and my shirt was rubbing on the outside and thus we had a problem. So the things I spoke about, I'll speak again, about yet again, uh, but this time hopefully with much more clear audio so you guys get a better experience. In terms of what I spoke about, first thing was earlier this week. Uh, earlier this week, if you guys have followed my advice and listened to my request and you subscribed and you're getting new episodes from this feed every time that they come out, you got a new episode of Sensei's Weekly Mindset this past Monday. And it was a special recap episode that me and my, uh, my broadcast partner, uh, TJ Ragusa, put together a recap of Flex Fights 13 Battle for Brick City, uh, where we reviewed every fight on that card. And he and I went through fight by fight and went through everything. And the goal there was, was twofold. First off, this is TJ's brainchild. I'm never shy to give credit where credit is due. And this was definitely TJ's idea. Uh, he reproached me right at the, uh, the fight card to see if I wanted to do that, which was a great thing. And I, of course, said yes. And we, made, we figured out what day and what time we were going to do it. And then uh, we connected over Zoom since he lives quite a distance from me. And everything came out pretty well, I like to think. Um, we do have video and audio for that. We chose to put the audio out on my feed because the podcast feed is set up to go everywhere podcasts are found, whereas uh, his he does not have that currently set up. He does have a fairly decent YouTube channel, so we thought about putting uh, the, uh, the video there, but we're not sure if the video came out of the greatest quality, but that's okay. Um, if we don't have it for this episode, we will be doing these every month as flex cards go by. And... Because we'll be doing them every month, you can expect video to come out, um, and I'll let you guys know when and where to view those things, but the audio will always be on my channel, and we will number the episodes very similar to how I did, because they'll be exclusive to Flex Fight Cards. So, uh, to that end, just a great idea, a great experience, and we did it because, like I mentioned in our previous episode, Flex is always trying to compete with itself, and this was just one more thing that we could do to get the fighters out there uh, to give a little bit more background on them, to help promote them as a brand, Flex as a brand. And this way, if you guys didn't get the opportunity to be a part of Flex Fights 13, if you weren't able 
to be there in person or watch the, the on-demand or pay-per-view, maybe now you're a little bit more intrigued to go back and listen and, and watch it firsthand. Plus, who does not like to watch uh, or go through uh, a sporting event with someone who's very educated in that sporting event? I, for one, am not very educated when it comes to football. So when I watch football with one of my friends who really understands football and is a great football fan, then it's that much more entertaining for me. So we wanted to give you a peek behind the scenes, what was going on in our minds. And, you know, we don't always get, we can give you right then and there live what we're thinking in that very moment. You get very authentic reactions during the flex fights because it's our authentic reaction in the moment. However, sometimes we get need, we step back at 10,000 feet and, and post fight, we can think about things a little bit better, or a little bit differently, and we get to review on them a little bit more in the recap episode. Nonetheless, give it a listen if you haven't already given it a listen. Uh, definitely just a good idea, and uh, hopefully it'll give you guys a little more intrigue into uh, Flex Fights, and you can go on throwdownsports.com and witness it firsthand. But nonetheless, I also wanted to talk about this past Sunday, because this past Sunday was one of my favorite Sundays of the year. And it was Tiger Shulman's biannual tournament, uh, the Challenge Champions, that we do every December and every June. And it was a really, really exciting time for us. Number one, um, our first June tournament back. And frankly, it really felt like a tournament of pre-COVID because we had such a, a great response. So many people there. And it was just awesome. Just absolutely awesome. A, a very awesome experience, as it usually is. Um, and... Um, I was with a great group of people, me and, and my instructor, Shian Gravina, who runs the Syosset location. His staff and my staff came together to collaborate and run one of the rings. And we had a great experience. I mean, uh, the, the biggest thing, the closest thing we had to what could be called a problem was um, us having a kid that we sat in a certain spot in the ring and we were ready to go and we were ready to call him. And we went looking and the kid wasn't in the chair. It turns out he went to the bathroom and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> so we're calling his parents. and though, So it held us up all of about two minutes. But, you know, no big deal. Once we got to the bottom of that, that was our biggest issue of the whole day. So hard to complain about that. But one thing that really stuck out to me were uh, some of the great events that we had. You know, in my ring, as often happens, you know, you get different experience levels. And we had one particular division that was teenage young men. I want to say they were in the ballpark of 15 years old. And these guys were spectacular. It was an advanced division. So most of these kids were brown and black belts. And the beautiful thing about the kids who are competing at that level is generally they've been competing for such a long time. Not only do you have a tremendous amount of skill just because of the fact that they are so skilled, but also the fact that these kids have competed so many times, usually. So what that means is all the nerves that you have from competition, all of those first competition jitters, they're kind of gone. They don't really have them. You know, it's funny. You can see at the lower experience levels, you'll have some kids who've never been, quote-unquote, under the lights before. And obviously, the nerves get to them. Nerves get to everybody. But... These guys have been competing so long that, yeah, the nerves still get to them and they're probably not at their best, their best, but it's still not like someone who's competing for the first couple of times. And what's also really cool is because 
these guys have been competing for so long because they're at such a high level, they're also really confident. And those really, really confident kids are usually the best sportsmen too, which is what's so spectacular about it. Usually at that age, that, that mid-teenagery age, you think of young men being kind of jerks. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, you know, they're very testosterone-driven at that age. They're very reactionary usually. And um, as a result, sometimes you get some reactions that aren't always the most fun to deal with. But no, these guys were great. Um, I had one particular young man is a black belt from a neighboring school of mine and um, super positive kid, very skilled and he got caught in a, in a leg lock and he turned just the wrong way and made it super dangerous. So as I reserved the right to do in every match, I submitted for him because he put himself in some pretty precarious danger and he, at the end of the match, he protested, which to call a protest would be uh, almost overblowing what he did. But he reacted negatively for like a split second and then came right back. I was like, nope, you were right. I was caught. Thank you. Thank me for stopping a match. And it was funny. Even uh, there was another young man I had to do the same thing with. He was caught in a choke. And um, I asked him a, a handful of times, you know, three or four, a no, couple of times, two or three times, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? By the time I didn't hear from him on that third one, I submit for him. And he says, I'm okay, right as I'm submitting for him. Well, obviously, I can't restart the match. And it was really nice. One of the other instructors from Sayaset happened to hear him as soon as the kid got back to the seat. He gets back to the seat, and he says, he takes a deep breath, and he goes, nah, that ref was right. I was caught. Which is awesome. That's spectacular. Like, what great sportsmen these guys are. And um, speaking of great sportsmen and great lessons that come from competition, I believe firmly in the value of competition. I think there's so much good stuff that comes from competing. And I had a very uh, nice-sized tournament team this time, which was great. But what, what I was really taken with was the camaraderie for my tournament team. And that's really, I want to talk about the lessons of competition for the remainder of today's episode. And this was certainly the case when it came to my school. Um, I, I've spoken to a number of parents and every one of them was very pleased with their kids' experience, win, lose, or draw. Um, and what really stood out to me is how well so many people took the losing aspect of things. Because losing is a part of this. We know statistically 50% of the people who step on the mat are not going to win a match that day. They're going to lose 50% Excuse me, fifty of the time. They're going to lose that very first match. Just is, right? You can't have two winners at every match. You have to have one winner and one person who doesn't win. But that's okay. That's a, that's a lesson we learn in life. Is what? How do we handle that loss? Because loss is a tremendous part of life. Dealing with the adversity, having to pick yourself back up after losing is huge. And I'm sure you guys have heard of things like helicopter parents who are always over their kids, trying to do everything for them. Uh, trying to take all the difficulty away of the, their life. Uh, there's also lawnmower parents, they call them, that mow down every obstacle in the way of their kids. And then there's a parent I, I tend to think of, and I don't know if I came up with this or if I heard it from somebody else, but uh, nerf parents. These are parents who tend to nerf the world. They kind of wrap the world in bubble wrap, so that way there is no chance of their kid failing or going through difficulty or hardship or failure. But loss, failure, hardship, has such intrinsic value. It's so huge for a person to learn how to deal with that. Not only 
does a person from competition learn how to deal with nervous? Because let's be honest, you're going to be nervous many times in your life. You're going to do things that make your nerves go. That's part of life, right? If you're not doing anything that makes you nervous, you're not really doing anything in life. But so learning to deal with nervous, that's one thing. Seeing what you do under the lights in that moment under pressure, it's a great test of your self-defense skills. It's one of the best and most realistic ways to practice. You'll see exactly how you react to adversity, how you react to someone that you don't know throwing punches and kicks at you. That's another big part of it. But loss, I think, is one of the biggest lessons because so often in life, we do lose, right? We, we fail a test, um, you know, we play a game and we lose, right? We try something and we fail at it. These things are a normal part of life. However, what do we do in the face of that moment? The way I look at it, there's really three reactions or three types of loss that a person can have. Uh, the first is a loss that they can completely justify. Right? I know I've had those not only in my martial arts career, but whenever I did sports as a kid, you know, the other team was just better. Or we weren't playing like a team, and you could point to exactly what happened and said, man, this is what went wrong today. You know, uh, playing baseball, our pitching just wasn't up to par, and they were just laying too many easy pitches down the middle, and the guys were able to, to hit them too easily. And then to back it up, our fielding wasn't where it should have been. We, we didn't do our, our due diligence and make sure we were in the right positions to field the ball well. So here we are. Or like playing soccer. Oh, our, our defense didn't do a good job of keeping the defenders protected, so they were able to pass to each other easily, and as a result, many goals. Similarly, in martial arts, you'll be able to notice, if you go back and watch the video, oh man, I got hit by every jab that person threw. Every time they threw a jab, I got hit with it. Every time they threw a round kick with this leg, I, I got hit with it. That, and that's, that's a great lesson. That's a great lesson. Because when you go back and you watch it with an analytical eye, and you take a little bit of the emotion of the day away from it, you're really going to see how your skills can be built from just that one day of competition. By the same token, there are other things that go wrong, other reasons that a person loses. Now, this would be a minority of losses. I don't think most people who lose, lose this other way, but it's worth mentioning. Every official in every sport is a human being. I mean, I'm a human being and I'm an official for our, our tournament. And every, every official, being a human being, can make mistakes. Right? They could be at the wrong angle where they don't see a foul happen. They can be at, at, at uh, in another angle where a foul does happen, it happens completely accidentally, but it looks, it looks on purpose to them. Um, they could be at the wrong position to see something, or they could just have made a mistake because they're human. And being able to rise to that moment and still be a sportsman about it, even when you're dealing with someone else's mistake, being able to deal with that is a huge part of life. Because I don't know about you, I've dealt with a, a lot of human beings in my life, and one thing all human beings have in common, they make mistakes, because they're human. And often those mistakes negatively affect other people. And when that happens, we could very easily say to ourselves, oh, it's all their fault, and we can beat ourselves up about it, and we can be all upset with them about it, and we could focus on just that part of it, 
and not glean any positive from it. But there's always a way to glean positive from it. Right? At the past flex fights, uh, TJ and I talked about it in the special episode. Go back and listen. There were a couple of guys where there were some questionable decisions. Decisions where maybe the crowd didn't agree with it or maybe we didn't agree with it in the moment and not like either one of us has had the chance to watch the full card back yet. But nonetheless, um, both fighters, when walking out of the cage, they both, uh, one of them trains uh, with uh, David De La Rocca, one of the other commentators, and he looked at his fighter who, who came out of the, uh, on the wrong end of a contentious decision and he said, you left it too close. That's on you for leaving it that close. And uh, the, in the main event, we had another contentious decision. Adam Livingston walks out of the cage. Drew Park looks at him and goes, it's your fault. You left that fight too close. If you hadn't left that fight so close, it would have been really clear for the judges, and they couldn't have come in to, to factor. They couldn't have come into play. Now, those are the two main types of losses that a person experiences. The third type, because both of those have a positive you can take out of them. Learning how to deal with loss that's justifiable, learning how to deal with the unfairness that life sometimes deals us. And then, most importantly, the one we want to avoid is the justifiable loss that we try to find excuses for. This is dangerous. This is a very common reaction to loss, unfortunately. You know, people point fingers and they look at things uh, too much. Or they look for ways out and they look for ways around too much. And I've heard it before from parents, you know, about, oh, my kid didn't lose that match. And then I go back and I watch the video and their kid did lose that match, you know. And they're taught, you know, I've heard referees did this and referees did that. And again, sometimes I'll get a video. And when I get a video, listen, are, are referees human beings? Absolutely. And there have been times where I said, oh, yep, that was a mistake there. But... When you explain to people that, like, yeah, I, I could see how they made that mistake. I've made that mistake, too. And usually they're able to come back on the right side of that. But clinging to those excuses is dangerous. Learning how to not be that person is one of the most valuable lessons that loss can teach you. Because there's nothing that bothers me more than th this is so being that nerf parent, right? Where they're finding every reason besides their own fault as to why they actually lost the match, right? Again, even the person where, let's say they thought the referee made a bad call. Why'd they leave it so close where the referee could make it a bad call? Why'd they leave it so close where one scoring mistake by the referee could cost them the match? Next time, don't leave it so close. So that's one, that, that's some of the very beneficial stuff I believe comes out of competition. But another thing that comes out of being part of a team, like a tournament team like in my school, is the camaraderie. And this is, to me, the hugest part. Uh, we had some really great moments of just the enormity of our team this year. And I don't just mean in the sheer size. I mean in the representation. All the parents there, all the siblings there, friends, cousins. And everybody's walking around together. Uh, at one point during one of the matches in one of my rings, I had one of the young men from my school was in my ring. And uh, the way I'm positioning myself when I'm the referee, I'm looking at the table so I can keep track of the score there and so forth. Um, and my back is to the crowd. And as the young man from my school, Luke, is competing, I'm hearing the crowd go nuts. And I'm thinking to myself, 
what other school is this kid coming from? That the crowd is going so nuts. And the action happens to turn where I wind up turning in such a way that I get to see which part of the crowd is going nuts. And it's everybody from my school. It's all the parents. It's all the kids going absolutely ballistic, cheering on for Luke. So I had a little chuckle in that moment, which was nice. But just to see the camaraderie of these people and you know, seeing the social media posts that they're putting up. And um, one mom in particular put up a post that I shared into my school story. And um, she also uh, shared on her story was about what a great experience the COC was and that even though her son didn't win a medal and honestly I don't know if he won a match that day she said he's so excited to go back in six months and to me that's a young man who learned every lesson that loss was supposed to teach him I'm gonna go back I'm gonna get better skill I'm gonna deal with the nerves even better I'm gonna do this better I'm gonna do that better I'm so prepared to do even better in six months and that's tremendous that's huge. That is a great day's work. That's the whole thing. That's why we do this. So that people learn how to overcome. That's everything. Right? So as we look back at competition, just some great reasons to do it. And really my thought process here of, of releasing this, I've talked about this today. Um, once again, if you did the tournament in June, great. Do it again in six months. If you didn't get to do it in June, do it in six months. If you're a kid who's done it before, you're a person who's done it before, it's such a great experience. There's so much growth that comes from putting your skills on the line. There's so much growth. Right? There's very tremendous upside, win, lose, or draw. I urge everybody to do it. Nonetheless, that's all I have for you guys today. As per usual, um, first, an apology again about the bad audio. But I want to re-release it, make sure you guys got your good audio and heard all the things I wanted to talk about. Nonetheless, as we move forward, um, just as per usual, you can that's all I have for you guys today. You can reach me via email, senseileonelli at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at sensei underscore leonelli. You can find me on Facebook, I'm sensei james leonelli. Um, you can find all this int information, all the places to contact me at Linktree. So uh, linktr.ee slash Sensei Leonelli. That's right. You can get in touch with me. All the information on, on uh, Flex Fights is there and so forth. As far as my school, find us online at tsksmithtown.com. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash Smithtown. Twitter and Instagram, we are at tsmma underscore smithtown. Uh, you can find the podcast online, at, on Instagram, I should say, at Sensei's Weekly Mindset. Find out more about the Tiger Shulman's organization as a whole at tsk.com. And as always, my friends, invest in yourselves. I will see you guys on the mat.